Hey everyone, welcome to our first ever live recording of the podcast, Happy Half Hour with an Entrepreneur. I am your host, Brian Carney. Really excited to be broadcasting today from Two Stones Pub in Hocassin, Delaware. And I am here with Michael Stiglitz, Michael Contreras, and Bob Barrar, all from the 2SP group. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Well, we've this podcast was originally always supposed to be live, but then COVID hit and I was in my son's bedroom. So we just started doing it on Zoom. So to actually be here live in person with uh, with other people is, is pretty fun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, also, I've never interviewed three people at once, so this could get exciting. <laughs> Focus the on these One two. of them doesn't really talk, <laughs> so you're fine. Okay, we got one. We have one non-talker up here, so we'll, we'll, we'll handle that. Well, let's get down get down to business. The first and most important thing, what are we drinking today? So, Bob, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking Delgo Lager. Okay. Uh, American-style amber lager, a nice malty, toasted malt character, uh, really no hop characters, all kind of just finishes smoothly. Excellent. It was a session beer. Like the, you can put them down pretty quick. Yeah, so what does the deal with the session? It has to be under 5%? Is that the, rule, the, the uh, quote unquote rule? Maybe four and a half, okay. less than four and a half. Yeah. So you can literally drink them. Yeah, I made, I made, we, well, we made that beer for, so you could drink it at the, at the stadium parking lot tailgating. Perfect. So love that. That's great. How about you, Mike? I got the, uh, pony boy light lager, uh, doctor's recommendation on the, uh, the light beers. Yeah. But, no, <laughs> kidding. But, uh, it's a nice, clean, crisp, uh, light beer. It's one of my favorite, one of our favorite beers that we do. Um, 4%, uh, very easy to drink six packs of it. They retail for eight ninety nine. They're great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's one of my favorites. Perfect on a 98 degree day. Like oh, we're yeah. doing right now. Yeah. Absolutely. And how about you, Mike? Uh, mine's not very sessionable for most people. 8% up, up, and away, uh, double IPA. It's our our core double. Uh, it's fantastic, very fruity, hazy. Uh, it's everything you want for me on a day like this with Love these it. temperatures. That's great. What am, what am I drinking? Uh, you got the dirty money, Bob. Help him out here. That's another hazy as well. It uh, falls in the IPA category, so it's... Same level is up and out, but it's it's got different hot profile, uh, Simcoe, Citra, and uh, Idaho 7. So you get a lot of those same flavor profiles from uh, as you do up, up, and away, but it's 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 different flavor, yeah. flavors. Yeah. So this is a, sort of the private stock, private reserve, is that? Yeah, we only, we only do that once a year usually, so. Okay, great. Well, where I usually like to start these is I like to hear a little bit about exactly what 2SP Group is. So who wants to take that one? So the 2SP group is uh, started out with Two Stones Pub in 2011. And 2014, we started working on the brewery, opened up in 2015. And that's 2SP Brewing. Uh, it's acronym for Two Stones Pub, but much more brandable, uh, just as 2SP. Uh, we recently opened up, so we have six pubs. We have the brewery. We recently opened up the uh, 2SP Brewing Tap House, which is in Chad's Ford, right over the border in Pennsylvania. And we're currently working on 2S Pizza, which is our pizza and beer concept, all craft pies, all craft beer. Uh, that's going to be on University of Delaware's campus on Main Street. That's a perfect place for yeah. that. Yep. So we have a lot of concepts going. Uh, we're trying to get a little more unique as we go. Still chef-driven fun, even on the pizza side. The menu's going to be crazy. Um, the beer's always awesome. Continually gotten better every year um, since we started and 
we really finally, you know, last couple of years have hit our stride to the point where everything about us, we just, you know, have shifted to go by the 2SP group now. Yeah, that's great. Well, to explain to me what each of your roles are. Bob, we'll start with you since you're so I'm excited to be I'm just a brewer. Just the brewer? I just make the beer. Yeah. <laughs> That's easy yeah. enough. He's just a sales guy. Yeah, and I'm no. just a sales guy. I got the... Uh, no, so, I mean, Bob is, you know, he's responsible for all the recipe creations, making sure that enough beer is going out to one of our, you know, seven markets, um, including Japan. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so we got, you know, it's a lot on his plate, not just... You know, throwing some grain into a, a mash tun to brew some beer. Um, we also, so my role, I do all this, anything that happens outside the building, essentially, for the brewery. So um, just making sure that we're selling, you know, the right beers, making sure that beer is being sold fresh. And, uh, yeah, trying to grow the brand. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Honestly, I'm director of operations, but these guys do it all. They make it very simple for me. I, they actually try to keep me out of the building. Um, I'm the guy that shows up and says, hey, why is that box over there? And why is that can over there? And they look at me and say, you haven't been here in three weeks. Please don't do this. Yeah. So. We have one of those in our organization. Too, so we can, we can <laughs> Someone who walks around just says, why is why? that like that? Yeah. And you look, well, that if you were here, you'd know. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, so where did the concept for this even start? How did you guys get started in this? So Two Stones Pub um, started in 2011. Uh, ben Muse, one of my operating partners, um, and myself, we were downstate with another uh, restaurant group. We moved up north. We opened up Two Stones Pub because we've always been 100% about chef-driven food and craft beer. Two Stones, ever since the first day it opened in April 2011, was all craft brew. Uh, we opened up in South Newark in um, kind of a worn-out kind of old plaza, Chessmore Plaza. Yep. And everybody looked at us like we were crazy because craft brew only, and we got a lot of people coming in ordering Miller Lights and Bud Lights and say, <laughs> sorry, guys, it's craft brew only. And, and they unfortunately would leave, but we've done okay. Um, so Bob and I worked together in 2004 uh, for Iron Hill Brewery. I was a chef up in media. Bob was the brewer. Mm -hmm. And we used to joke all the time about maybe someday getting together, um, you know, just doing our own thing. Sure. And all of a sudden... Uh, I ran into him. I'd see him every once in a while because I had since left Iron Hill in 2006 to go do restaurant stuff. And I'd see him once in a while at events and be like, Bob, when are we going to do this? And he'd just laugh at me and shake and walk away. <laughs> and, uh, and so finally in 2013, he, we were at a, a big party uh, and he was standing on the back wall. And I went over to him and just stood next to him, didn't say much. And I was like, how are you? And he's like, I'm good. <laughs> that's, that's a conversation <laughs> with Bob. If, you know, that's it. I'm good. Yeah. And he goes, I'm ready. I said, ready for what? He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to do the brewery. So my heart sunk to my stomach and up in my throat all at the same time because I knew financially what it was going to cost. Yeah. But I was also excited like a little child. So uh, I took a couple weeks, got back to him, made sure he was serious about it. And he was. So we started talking. And I think it was not very long after that, almost immediately, I, Mike Contreras used to work for Dogfish. Hmm. He was my sales guy for dog or not. He was the sales guy for two stones for dogfish. And uh, I was like, Hey, so I'm going to open a brewery. And he laughed. He goes, yeah, you and everybody else. <laughs> and I said, no, really? He goes, well, call me when you get a real brewer. And I was like, okay. So I didn't. And a couple weeks later I called him. I was like, Hey, I, I want to tell you my brewer. And I told him, he goes, Oh no blank. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, it's uh, legit now. okay. It's real. It's really legit. Um, and then I guess, you know, it basically just came down to, we're always been focused on, the best product possible. It doesn't matter if it's a burger, a wing, a beer, you know, an entree. It doesn't matter. For, yeah. for the 2SP group, 
specifically with two stones from the beginning, it's always been chef driven. And then once we opened the brewery, the whole point to it, that's why, you know, uh, I went after Bob who joined us, you know, Bob's just not a brewer. Bob's one of the owners. So he, he's an operating partner as well. He can't escape and just say, Hey, I don't want to brew anymore. He's stuck. Yep. Um, you know, um, so that's why I went after, you know, Bob, um, and, and grabbed Mike and we have a lot, everybody's at the brewery amazingly, like the beer, just like I said, gets better every year. It really does. They it's, they're honing their craft more and more. Um, a lot of hard work, but everything about our group is just always trying to hit top notch, trying to get the best quality. And it doesn't matter if it's in a glass in a can on the plate. Yep. You brought up something interesting earlier. I want to kind of go back to, so how much do you guys hate it now that you're established? Now, 2011 is one thing. When someone comes in and he says, give me the thing that tastes the closest to Bud Light. Does that drive you crazy or are you it, used to it by now? It was painful until we came up with this baby right here. Pony yeah. boy. And you're like, I got you now. Uh, yeah. It's now when people come in, we don't say, oh, we don't have that. We just put that down in front of them and let them figure out that it's better. Right. Uh, it's craft. <laughs> and it's, and it, you know, it's an easy, it's an easy way to bridge the gap. Yeah. The beer's. Super drinkable, very low calorie, and ultimately, I mean, it's just crystal clear, um, yep. but with with more flavor, to be honest. Yeah, for, for sure. Bob, I know um, you have a nickname. I believe your nickname is The Metal Machine. <laughs> that was in my previous uh, work. But you have won 30 beer brewing medals in your career? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. Like, how, uh, how cool is that, or do you not really, does that... Not nah, really. I mean, your it's thing. pretty cool, but I, I, I mean, after you win something, he's you got to go on, you got to move on, and you got to got to keep trying to win. It's, it's super competitive now. There's so many other breweries out there. Yeah, back when won probably most of those awards, the competition was a lot smaller. So yeah, the window to win something was a little bit. I want to say, bit easier. say easier. But <laughs> you're, yeah. still, you're still winning. Though. I mean, we, we we've gotten a couple here at two SP. So yeah. I mean. Yeah, the first year we entered GABF, we've been gold for his Russian. So we've been dry for like two years though. So yeah, we got to get back on the on the schneid there. I I like it. The cool thing about like beer competitions, it's like you go out there and everybody has their own favorite beer, and they'll tell you why it's the best beer. And often you're kind of like, all right, you know, and everybody has their own opinion. These beer competitions though are other industry professionals. So other, you know, brewers, guys who are classically trained beer judges, and they're going out there and putting saying, no, this is the best of, you know, what was entered and, and you know, it's the right. true um, to style. So these competitions, they kind of, they mean a lot to, to guys like us. When you do win one, it's like, it's a, it's a nice validation that you don't often get. Yeah. So. I mean, when your peers are giving you the, uh, the, the awards, it's a little different than just random people drinking exactly. and you know, giving you the stamp of approval. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think Delaware is an interesting place for the craft beer sort of boom, obviously with dogfish head being here. Do you feel like you were able to use that to help launch the, the business? Do you think that helped you in any way? Uh, I think it was clearly a good jump start. I mean, definitely you, everything, the one thing I learned about Delaware, I grew up in South Jersey and when I moved to Delaware, <laughs> thank you. One Jersey person over there loves the visor, that's, loves the visor. That's my wife. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think the one thing I learned most when I moved to Delaware was the only thing that matters to people in Delaware are things in Delaware. Very true. So Dogfish Head obviously has a huge following and there are some other great breweries, you know, in Delaware, just as long Iron Hill, Stewart's breweries like that, that have been around forever. But when we opened up Two Stones Pub and we we honestly, you know, we had Delaware Beer Week every year. We would only put Delaware beers on tap. 
Um, if you are very supportive of your local community in this state, there is no no one will love you more and no one will support you better than the people in Delaware. Hands very down. True. And it was very evident during during COVID as well, to be honest. I mean, we had we had so many people reach out to us, people that just wanted to like, hey, can we send your people money? Can we send tips? Can we do this? Can Amazing. we and you know, it was people driving from here up to the brewery just to go buy the beer to support our brand. It was it's fantastic. The state is amazing with love. Yeah, so that that's great. I mean, it is a weird Delaware is a weird place, and if you don't experience it and you're not from here, people don't like. Oh yeah, well the town I grew up is close, close knit. No, no, that's not the case. Like, you know this that whole six degrees of separation thing that is real here. Oh yeah, you know we could we could sit here in five minutes talk. We would know three people that we all went to high school with, uh, but that's that's great for for the business. And well, you bring up COVID. Talk. I mean, I'm not sure that there was an industry harder than rest hit harder than restaurants during COVID. So how did you guys cope with that? You know, given. Uh, I have to be honest. I was shell shocked. Yeah. I can remember, you know, March 19th, I was downstairs in my house. My back slid down the wall. I had just walked through one of the restaurants again, told it we had just opened up Newark Two Stones, oh, man. the new one, and it still smelled like fresh paint. It had just opened January 9th and I'm standing in there and it's empty. The chairs oh. are up. All the alcohol's off the shelves down behind the bar. And I was, I was shocked. And, but these guys, I mean, I'll let Mike tell you how, what what they did during covid because they nonstop worked this mm-hmm. the restaurant industry was shut down the brewery they 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 probably saved my life mentally during that time these guys single-handedly because i had no idea what i was going to do yeah you know just opened a restaurant you know six places hundreds of people laid off have no idea how the bills are going to get paid before the federal government stepped in and really helped out but the brewery never skipped a beat so they not only didn't skip a beat they turned in. I'll let them describe it because they worked it all the time. Yeah. I rarely visited, as I said earlier. <laughs> um, and when I was there, they were like, just leave, just go. Like they could see the depression on my face. But I'll let Mike tell you about the drive through we did up there and what and what they did to turn everything around for us during COVID up there. Yeah. I mean, when the pandemic hit, it was I mean, just, you know, Stig says, well, like, what what the heck are we going to do? Yeah. And for a brewery like ours. We were kind of unique um, in the sense like how Allagash is also unique in that a lot of our business is done what we call the on-premise. So where you drink the beer on the premise or a bar, tavern, whatever. Um, Whereas other breweries have a lot of success in, you know, liquor stores, what we call the off-premise. So 70% of our business, if not more, was done through bars and restaurants. 30% of our business isn't going to sustain us no matter, even if it grows 20, 30% because- You know, the, that other channel shut down. So we're like, what? Pardon my French. I'm not going to say that word, <laughs> but I'm like, what the fuck are we going to do? Um, so Pennsylvania has this nice little law that allows breweries to do home delivery or mail beer. Oh. Um, so, <laughs> you know, packaging beer in cardboard sounds like a nightmare. Like, yeah, I don't know, just Amazon. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to. Yeah, we're not set up to do that, but. Um, you know, Delaware is a special place as Stiggs and you, you alluded to. So is Delaware County, Pennsylvania. So Delco is we, uh, you know, everybody affectionately knows it as respect. What's up? We have some Delco um, representation for sure. So when the shutdowns occurred, a Facebook group started up called the Delco happy hour and it got 20,000 members in, I think a day and a half. Wow. And people just posting what they're drinking like at two o'clock in the afternoon yeah. to deal with this new pandemic, this new reality. 
And then that third day, it was at 50,000 people. Wow. So we're sitting, I'm, and they're looking at me like, well, what, are you, what are we going to do? You're in charge of sales here. And I'm like, Ugh. I'm like, <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me go on this Delco group without our wholesaler's permission, uh, who's responsible for selling our beer out in the, in the trade. I just said, uh, you know, hey, how many of you, how many of you idiots uh, would want uh, some home delivery? And I thought like five people would be like, yeah, deliver a keg to my house. It got over 500 comments and 2,000 likes. Wow. All people in Delaware County. And they're saying, absolutely, we'd love to support you. You know, please set this up. So I, you know, I took a screenshot of it and I sent it to my wholesaler. Crap. Yeah, I'm like, you got, I, I think I made a little bit of a mistake yeah. here. Uh, can I get your blessing to, to do home delivery? Because, you know, we don't want to, there's beer stores out there who support us and we don't right. want to seem like they're undercutting them. But Delco, and just like in Delaware, they understand the situation because mm -hmm. everybody knows what everybody's going through. So we set up just a quick website and we were doing home delivery Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, uh, driving around in our van, driving around my Kia, dropping off six packs of Pony Boy to you know people in Delco. And it was enough. And then we also did a drive-through at our brewery where our brewery, if you haven't been, it's in Aston, uh, about 30 minutes north of here. Um, it's a big brewery, it's 20,000 square feet. Uh, and we have a few bay doors and we were able to allow people to drive in to the brewery, physically inside the brewery, sober. And, <laughs> and we they, hope. They, they, and this is, you know, during the pandemic, safely, they, you know, pop the uh, trunk and we load beer and they'd be on their way. So between doing that and um, home delivery, we were, we didn't have to furlough any of our employees. Wow. No pay cuts. And, you know, there was other breweries who were just like, it was bad news. Sure. And they were letting people go. I mean, it really did save us. So, you know, you know, Delaware, Delco, the community is, is integral and vitally important to our brands. And during the pandemic, we really saw that. That's amazing. I, I think one of the interesting things that that brings up is that your business is nimble and you can make quick decisions that, you know, maybe some of the larger breweries can't. So that seems like a, a perfect example of that. Yeah, I mean, if, if say for instance, Yingling wanted to do that, they, they couldn't handle that business. Right. We're, we're, we're small enough. Um, we, I mean, it's just Stiggs, Bob, uh, Joe, a few other guys, our sales team. And it's just, Stiggs is like, do it. Like that's, that's all it takes. It's not, you know, Hey, we got to run this by this department. And we have this committee. This guy, we're going to go by this yeah. guy. <laughs> Everybody's got to have their fingerprint on it. It's yeah. just, you no know, red tape that has to be. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, instead of ready, aim, fire, it's, you know, fire, ready, aim. It's just <laughs> shoot it. Then, you know, figure it out as you go. Yeah, I mean, well, if you post, hey, we could deliver beer on a Facebook and group without actually having talked to anybody about it, I guess that, that would qualify. Yeah, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Um, talk a little bit about the, the when you decided you, you have Two Stones Pub and you go, okay, we need to do our beer. Did that all happen at the same time or did the pub come first and then the beer brewing come second? I mentioned uh, Ben Muse earlier and he's always been the beer guy for our company. Um, he worked with... we. We all have ties with Iron Hill. Um, he worked with me years and years ago at Iron Hill, and then he moved downstate to the restaurant group we had down there. When we were working together down there, we were walking around one of the places, and we were talking about, we used to homebrew together, and we were talking about how could we do fermenters, small fermenters in this place? How could we do this? How could we do that? 
and it never came together. Um, it just was always kind of a dream. And you think, yeah, you know, a dream's a great thing to have to always think about. You right. have a bad day. You think about, oh, someday I'm going to do this and everything's going to be fantastic and wonderful. So we got together. Uh, we got together at Two Stones. And it was almost since day one we talked about we need to how, – how do we do a brewery? The problem was, like, when I, mentioned, when I mentioned that, I said to Mike, oh, I'm going to open up a brewery. And he said, yeah, you and everybody else. Yeah. The problem was always – we have to have the right brewer, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, there's a million brewers out there. There's a thousand amazing ones. There's maybe a hundred world-class that you can re- get your arms around. And we just had this connection with Bob that made it all come together. But it's always been a dream just from home. I still have bottles of my home brew from years and years ago that probably isn't very good and I'll never open cause it looks better closed, yeah. <laughs> but you know, it was always a dream yeah. and uh, Ben was always the guy driving the craft beer side. And I, and you know, I was just happy that at a certain point with Ben's hard work, my hard work, Chris Myers, another one of our operating partners, we worked so hard we were able to financially say, yes, we can, we can go in the brewery direction. We can do this. Cause it was just basically, I always said to myself, too, the one thing that was great about Iron Hill was the people had the culture of the beer that they could surround themselves with. The food was amazing, but there's a lot of places that have amazing food, right? Sure. But they had this beer that they could all their whole team could have parties about and and focus on and be connected on. And I wanted something to put between all of us that could bring us together. And uh, and the brewery is what did it. You know, I, I really believe that because we have a great beer culture already as Two Stones Pub. Sure. What we needed to do was get everybody on the team on the same page and 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 cultivate that culture uh, and not just be another neighborhood restaurant. Right. There's so many neighborhood restaurants and everybody loves this one or that one. But we had to have another great reason for you to choose us. The food's great, but the food's great. And they have this amazing beer. And it really was important to us to make sure that it was from from our team that it wasn't just anybody can buy kegs you can buy kegs anywhere tap them mark them up make money off them serve great beer there's world-class beer available but we wanted to own that as well and you know as part of our team yeah good beer and and good food is sort of the perfect marriage if you if you will um hey bob i want to ask you a question what is your favorite beer that you ever brewed there's been some. There's been so many. Uh, not that. Not that I like. But there's. I. I got to run the gamut of how many beers we brewed. Uh, I don't know. I'm. I'm pretty fond of the Imperial Stout. Uh, I enjoy IPAs. I really. I really like all beer. Yeah. Uh, sure. <laughs> what is my favorite one? Uh, I don't know. We did a beer at Iron Hill. It was called uh, Real Boy. It was a double IPA that we did for a local pizza joint. Yeah. It's up there as one of my favorite. How about least favorite? Do you have one of those? Oh. We did a, um, <laughs> yeah, funny. no, this, this is, uh, <laughs> we, we, so we, I try to do a, a, a wit beer, you know, as a white beer. Yeah. I try to do a chocolate, like a chocolate wit beer. Yeah. That sounds uh, challenging. I kind of overdid it. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to brew another batch of wit to blend it off. Cause it was, <laughs> so now I have double the amount and I, and I that was at Iron Hill, so that kind of worked out because I could pawn it off on all the. Yo, can you take a couple kegs of this? Yeah. So, so we so we eventually got rid of all of it, but that that was definitely the worst one that I probably ever made. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So uh, obviously, you start talking about Delco and Delaware, and you know we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Wawa. You know, everybody loves Wawa. So you guys have a you know a great collaboration with Wawa. I happen to love you know stouts, especially in the winter, and I think that beer is outstanding. How does that even come come about? 
So the, the Wawa collab came about uh, how many years ago? Was it five, four, yeah, four or five four years five. ago? Um, you know, we're kind of sitting around thinking, all right, what are we going to brew for this? You know, for the winter. And you guys know there's seasonals all the time, and you, you kind of all customers always demand something new. And we were looking at doing a coffee stout. A coffee stout. Sorry, the New York's coming out. Uh, <laughs> a coffee stout. Um, and they're in Delco. So it's they're 10, 15 minutes from the brewery. So I was like, all right, let's just take a shot in the dark here. I wrote an email, not eloquent, just said, hey, guys, listen, we're sitting here arguing about what the heck we're going to brew this this winter. And I thought, why the hell not? Let's yeah. get together. And to my surprise, like an hour later, I got a response. I'm wow. Like, oh, shit. I didn't expect that to happen. <laughs> so <laughs> they're like, uh, what do you, you want to come in? I'm, or, excuse me. Like, um, like, you guys can come in sometime. Yeah, yeah. Let's come in. Uh, we'll come in on Friday. And I'm like, crap, it's Tuesday. I got to think of something. <laughs> so uh, actually, our distributor from Japan was in town. So I'm entertaining him and I'm trying to figure out what the heck are we going to do? And I walked into a Wawa. And I saw they had a new coffee series called uh, Winter Reserve, or excuse me, uh, the Reserve series. So they came in. I didn't have a PowerPoint or nothing. I, I just kind of worked old school charm and just showed them around the brewery and, you know, brought Bob around, you know, talked about the Delco connection. And they said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, ah, you know, I see you got this Reserve thing. I, I imagine that it changes because it had a name on it. Like it was like the Kenyan reserve. So yeah. I'm like thinking, oh, okay, there's going to be like a Ethiopian reserve or like a, uh, you know, a seasonal reserve. So I said, why don't we use your next reserve series in one of our beers? And their eyes kind of lit up and they said, that's perfect. Wow. I'm like, no, no shit. Like, <laughs> all right. Do so, it. so it, it all came together very quickly. Um, I mean, this meeting was in September and we were looking to release it in November. And I mean, it takes 30 days 20 days to brew that beer, package it, get it out to the wholesale. So we didn't have a label design or nothing. So we worked very fast. They were great on giving us the approval on, on the labels. We have great designers and yeah, we brought it to market. And if you remember the first year, it was, it was wild. Their eyes were kind of like, they didn't expect this at all. There was helicopters at the release from CVS and KYW or uh, NBC uh, just flying around the Chad's Ford Wawa. That's because so there was cool. a line going around. Yeah, it was wild. We kind of expected it because that's that was the trend in beer. And we sure. thought that, but they were like, what the heck did we get ourselves into? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, no, they, they, they're great people. It's been a fun partnership. Yeah, yeah. That That's an excellent beer. Yeah. I, I, I love that beer. Yeah. Um, I think one of the interesting things about, you know, we talked about being nimble a little bit. There's so much consolidation in the beer space um, where, you know, you have Dogfish Head getting purchased by Boston Beer Company and you have, uh, there's like four companies now that basically own everything, right? Yeah, no, I think it's uh, like, I want to say over 70%, 80% of the beer is made by, or excuse me, uh, bought in this country is by, I want to say, three or four major conglomerates outside of Miller Coors, Budweiser. There's Sapporo um, and Lion. Uh, AB, that's, so that's Anheuser-Busch okay. guys. So it's, you know, it's you talk about, you know, when people come in here and want a light beer, like this is made by us in Delco. AB and InBev, that's it's Brazilians. Who right. Are, yeah. So it's, <laughs> you know, um, it's, yeah. But you're, you're, you're right. There's a lot of consolidation occurring. How, sure. how important is it to you guys to stay independent? It's, 
I mean, I mean <laughs> if somebody throws you, you know, the numbers that, that they got for Dogfish had that probably a different story, but I mean, three hundred million or whatever it was. I got I got in the industry in two thousand five with a brand called Rogue. Um, oh sure, yeah. And I was in Southern California, and Stone uh, was nearby. And my father-in-law's favorite brewery. Stone. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great IPAs, and I mean, the, there was a big attitude in craft beer, which like we're independent. You know, screw corporate beer. Um, it's kind of like a punk rock attitude. Yeah, and it's it's very it's it's dissolved. I'll say that much. Um, and you don't hear it as much in the younger generation of people selling out you know what mm -hmm. i mean it's not in music especially like oh yeah once you're on mtv you, you sold out right, right right um in beer it's becoming bells was just bought um hmm. which was a big independent brewery from michigan stone was just bought and you just don't hear it as much so um i know for for me being independent I love it just because of all the stories we're telling you is because we're independent and we get to do what we want. And there's a lot of companies that are owned by, you know, some private equity firms that really don't care about. And, you know, we hear this stuff secondhand, but it's just they'll cut costs on the product mm -hmm. in order to make better margin. So being independent, we'll, we'll do some dumb things that <laughs> might not look good on the balance sheet, but... It, it it looks good on the shelf and it, it it tastes good in the belly or it feels good in the belly. Yeah, no doubt. Well, Stiggs, I want to ask you, you. You have been you said before, believe nothing, try everything. How did you come? How does that apply to to what you guys are doing? So that that kind of goes back to when Two Stones Pub started. We <clears throat> we had an original T-shirt um, and it was a, a quote from. Um, it was a, a Buddha quote, actually, that was put out there that we put on our first T-shirt. And it essentially said, you know, believe, believe nothing that I say, believe nothing that you see, you know, don't believe in anything unless you've experienced it. Mm -hmm. And you you basically you've tried it. So uh, we just shortened it up immensely to believe nothing, try everything. And it basically comes down to. As you asked earlier, when someone comes in and says, hey, how about a Bud Light? And it's like, um, no, I don't like craft beer. I mean, we got this so many times in Newark. I don't sure. like craft beer. Yeah. No, you probably will like craft beer. <laughs> you just are so used to watching the Super Bowl and the Puppy Bowl and all that yep. put on by, you know, Budweiser and Bud Light. Um, and I mean, all of us at some point started out on those beers because unless you grew up in a household where craft was the only thing allowed, mm -hmm. you've been to a college party, you've been, you know, down by the river, you've been at a farm yep. and there's just, you know, natty silver bullets, every, natty light. That's yeah. right. Bush light, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but basically that's what it comes down to. We just really wanted people from day one to say, Hey, believe nothing. You, I get it. You've always chosen this beer. You've always drank this. You've drank that. No, try try this. Just try it. Yeah. That's why you come in any two stones. Oh, I'll take a sample of that. Sure, no problem. You can sample all day long and yeah. leave very happy and have not spent a dime. <laughs> and, that, and that's what we do. You know, but we just try to get people past their original patterns of beer drinking, and that's where that came from. Well, that's pretty cool to to, to be uh, to, to take that on as a responsibility to try to get people to actually try different stuff because a lot of people refuse. We, there's a 
gentleman in this room who will only drink Bud Light. Point him out. Mm. Point him out. Point him out. <laughs> and I guarantee he asked the waitress earlier to give him the closest thing to a Bud Light. So uh, we, I've been trying, but it's maybe maybe I have to bring him in here for you guys to work on him a little bit. <laughs> bring him in. We'll take yeah. care of him. Okay, Just bring great. him to the brewery. That's what you do. Yeah, Bob, we Bob wants to work with him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Bob, can you talk a little bit about how much science goes into to beer and to brewing a beer? You know all the different applications for science and how that works? Yeah, well, at the level we're at now, it's it's pretty detailed with, with, with the science side of it. Uh, we have a lab technician. Um, he's he's counting yeast cells, so we're pitching the same amount of yeast in that, to each beer every time. Fermentation charts, uh, just the flow from the beginning to, to the end, and then you, you're overlapping them, and you want, you want them to be pretty much exactly the same which yeah, consistency which key, is right? the hardest thing sure what we're doing is the consistency part um yeah and then the mall there's 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 it's when i first got involved in this i had no idea how deep the science is it, <laughs> it, 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 it's really it's never ending it's it, it it's never ending it's what are some of the things that can really ruin a batch of beer um me <laughs> <laughs> So there's there's yes, the, so, there, so there's yeast, there's yeast flying all around us. So I mean, it, if it gets in any beer, that we call them spoilers, and yeah, and it, it just the beer just goes south, and it doesn't happen right away, but it can happen downstream. Yeah. So any beer that we can, uh, we we keep a library of. So if there's any kind of problem in the market, we we can go back to that beer and we can taste it, uh, we can test it, we can we can plate it, we can. We, we can pretty much do whatever we want with it. And, and if there's something wrong with it, we got to go out and get it. But we really haven't had a problem with that uh, since we had a science guy. Uh, before that, I think we had one problem and we had to bring back a pallet of beer. Yeah. Uh, and you just destroy it. But it kind of sucks, but it's the right the thing to do. Tear drops your eyes. Yeah, it's yeah. getting smashed. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the future for, for, for your group? Uh, I mean, honestly... We don't have a definitive plan because we it, it always seems to be changing, right? Yeah. We had a plan a couple of years ago, and then COVID hit. And I think COVID kind of destroyed everybody's plan, depending on what you were doing. Uh, we were in a solid pattern with our brew schedule and how we were handling things year over year. And once COVID hit and we went into these 16-ounce tall cans mm -hmm. and brewed every, every 15 days, we brewed a different IPA because if you're familiar with the craft beer world, um, IPA seems to drive the bus all the time. Sure. Um, so we started brewing all different IPAs and we were never really an IPA brewery. So once we did that, I think it woke up a lot of people to 2SP brewing in our area in Southeastern PA of like, wow, these guys not only kill it in this beer and this beer and Bob's known for this Russian, but their IPAs are pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. um, so the plan continues to change. One thing I will tell you is you are talking to a very adaptable group yep we uh you know mike and i just had a meeting the other night and we were talking mike brought up 19.2 ounce cans for the stadiums and we're talking about okay what do we have to do to our equipment like different different twist rings for the canning line etc cetera, etc cetera. that didn't come up till the other night but today at the bar before you guys got here the three of us are sitting there saying how do we do this how does it happen yeah um so planning for the brewery is always the safe answer is to quietly and correctly grow the footprint um mike brought to us brought to me my knowledge i didn't have a lot of beer world knowledge before but from day one he's like listen we can have a wide river that's very shallow or we can have a, a narrow river that's very deep um we started out with what i would call a very narrow river not so deep and we've gotten 
at the same time correctly a little wider and a little deeper as we go, it's good, in my opinion, to grow effectively not in 30% up in sales one year and then look down and go, where did 10% go this year? Yeah. Where we're going up 5, 10, 15, 20% depending on the year, but consistently. And, you know, the plan has always been the same, uh, which is to brew the best beer we can and make sure that we put the marketing behind it. We just hired a full-time graphic designer. Uh, we've made some other changes. So we're really, we just rebranded branded the cans a couple years ago. If you saw our cans two years ago, three years ago, um, you know, they didn't look like this, but now you can see what's called what they, in the industry, they call it billboarding. So yeah. the cans are different, but look similar at the same time. So we've made adjustments along the way, um, but we kind of adapt as we go. We don't have a hard and set plan. By October, we'll have next year's calendar done so we know what Bob and the guys are going to brew for the year. Sure, they can change it, but the reality is, you know, maybe there's a 5% change. Maybe there's a 10% change max, but we know going into it so that Mike and his team can get out on the street and they can do what they have to do um, and they know what's coming and how to, you know, better lay it out in front of them. So we have plans, but they're they're always adapting, if you will. Not to... to belabor the point that we've talked about, but being nimble and flexible really helps a business be, be, uh, adaptable. Yeah, for sure. Now I have to ask, um, I have a business partner. It's not all sunshines and rainbows all the time. (laughs) A lot of times it's like, you know, in a lot of ways it's a marriage. So how's your relationship? Um, you guys always sunshines and and puppies and rainbows, or is it getting a little (laughs) bit uh, dicey from time to time? And how do you get through that? Uh, Mike's almost been fired 36 times. <laughs> Bob, Bob's almost quit 36 times. <laughs> and I stand in the corner going, but if you guys leave, what am I going to do? Um, I'll be honest with you. We, I think as a whole, we get along very well. And I don't know if it's because they keep putting 8% beers inside me or if <laughs> it's certainly because, helps. yeah, I've always tried to be very fair. I was a chef for a big chunk of my career before we started Two Stones Pub. Um, my main focus always was to do the best food on the plate. When I had business partners who would tell me what to put on the plate, I immediately would, uh, my, my skin would crawl. Um, I learned a lot about being told I was wrong from people who didn't know what I knew about what I was doing because it was their opinion. So one of the big things I've tried to do since day one with these guys, especially is let them do what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, stay in your own lane. I know it's, it's cliche and people say it, but that's true. I have a job. Mike has a job. Bob has a job. If I get out of my lane and try and tell Bob how to brew beer, I'm telling you, we, we won't be here in a year. Yeah. Hands down. <laughs> um, I don't tell Mike. I mean, yes, Mike and I have conversations. Mike will say, hey, you're a retailer, obviously. You have all these pubs. Tell me what you're thinking about when you're buying beer. What, what, are, you, what, are, your, what are the guests telling you guys? Um, and that's when Mike will talk to the managers or to, to Ben, Ben Muse, you know, or some of the other people involved with the company. But for the most part, I think the most, the best thing to do is you put together the team you want and then let them play the game. Mm-hmm. I try not to step on their toes. Now, if something's out of whack, cause I'm the financial guy, I go, Hey guys, listen, like this year, we just went over all the recipes. Again, we looked at all the costs because as you know, with inflation, um, although they say it's transitory, we know that we're getting hit with some things that are probably not going to change. Cost of aluminum, cost yeah. of stickers, the grain cost. Bob sent out two emails in the past month that are both, hey, guys, prices are going up again. Mm-hmm. So we'll sit down and talk about that. But it's not my job in my position to tell Bob how to brew beer, to tell Mike how to sell beer or market beer. 
It's my job to let them know if they need to recalibrate a little bit because it's not working down here a little. Um, and I think that's a key to any success is to, if you have a good team, let them do their job. Yep. Um, you know, and they're going to have bad days. Bob's going to brew a beer that's not perfect. Mike's going to not sell something properly. And I'm going to accidentally throw a keg across the brewery one day and, de- <laughs> and dent the walk-in wall because I'm angry. That's not a that true sounds, story. That's that real. That's real. real. There's yeah. dents. I still look at every time I'm in there. No one was near the keg, though. But, you know, I had a tantrum. Um, but the key is to let people... They listen, they've been here since the beginning. Right. And they're not going anywhere. Most of our guys have been here since the beginning. We have a great team. People make mistakes, but you let them do their job. And uh, if you have the right people in place, it all goes great. Such a great point. Having clearly defined roles and responsibilities and you do all this. I do none of that. I do all this. That that certainly helps, especially when you like each other. And most importantly, (laughs) I said that. I I inferred that. You're right. I did. Uh, Especially when you're all moving forward to the same goal. Um, how did you get into Japan? <laughs> so I, I went to grad school out west, and I played rugby for uh, the, uh, the college team out there. And it was uh, a lot of funny talkers on the team. So a lot of South Africans, a lot of Australians, some Chilean guys. And then all of a sudden, this uh, little Japanese guy comes out who was in the business school. And, you know, rugby's a rough game. So and I was with these Afrikaners who were like really like six foot five, six foot six. Yeah. And you want to make sure that these guys, you know, come around for the next practice. So we go up to this guy. His name's June. I say, June, yeah, you want to come get beers with us? You know, after practice, like, yes, yes. (laughs) So I guess it's part of their culture where they go out drinking and they don't leave until the senior members uh, leave. So, Oh wow. June who's like five foot six was just pounding beers. I'm like, I got to hang out with this guy. (laughs) That guy's awesome. Speaks like 10 words of English. His English hasn't gotten any better by the way. (laughs) And we became really good friends because what better drinking buddy is there than somebody who doesn't speak English. So we would go to the pub and drink beers. And he said, you know, if you ever open brewery, I import beer. I said, all right, whatever, you know, we're just drinking. And sure enough, you know, we open up 2SP Brewing and he was very successful consultant out in Japan. He was working for uh, Ernst & Young. And he says, Mike, I'm going to quit my job. Import your beer. I'm like, Whoa. June. Whoa. <laughs> I'm like, June, you have a family, man. <laughs> that seems like a lot of pressure. Yeah, he's like, he's like, no, I do it. I'm like, ah, right, let's let's talk about it. let's put a business plan together because you know each country has its own laws with regards to beer, and I don't know what Japan's are and um, what that beer market's like. So anyway, he calls me two weeks later and he says, uh, Mike quit my job. I'm like, what? And he's like, I'm coming out. He's, I'm like, when? And he says, next week. I'm like, where are you staying? He's like, with you. <laughs> I'm like, now you have ah, a roommate too. Yes. So, you know, I, I had been in the industry for quite a while, you know, with Dogfish and with Rogue. So I had some connections. So sure enough, you know, I hook him up with a bunch of breweries and he's been importing our beer for four years, I would say, four or five years. Yeah. yeah. yeah and it, it's crazy. So um, I go out there. I'm going out there in September again. Um, and you know, breweries that, you know, we all know and love, you know, in Japan, they have no idea who they are. Sure. And I hand them a 2SP sticker and they're like, ah, oh, 2SP, uh, uh, doko. And I'm like, this is great. So yeah, it's been wonderful. Um, yeah, June's English is still the same, terrible. And, uh, but no, our beer does quite well and, uh, we've hooked them up with some other breweries and it's, uh, it's pretty cool. J- Japan beer market's a lot different than the United States. Uh, here it's about 20% of the beer market, craft beer, craft beer in Japan is uh, around one, I would say less yeah. than that. So it's a huge opportunity and, uh, yeah, yeah, it's cool. 
a trip from Delco to Japan doesn't seem, you know, for your beer to go is a little, you know, I, it's unlikely. I went to the first pint I had was in uh, Hiroshima. I had up and out and it tasted fresher than it did than the pub that, oh, that's down the awesome. street. Yeah. They, they, the culinary culture out there is insane. And, and they take that, take that same approach with beer, with cleaning the lines, making sure the lines are right. And yeah, so we send it over in a refrigerated, uh, uh, container on a, a vessel and the beer tastes great. Amazing. Yeah. I love it. Gentlemen, this was awesome. I really, uh, appreciate your time. Yeah. Um, now obviously I have to rate the beer. Now remind me what the name of the beer was again. The, 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 private reserve that i had that hazy. Uh, that, that was dirty money it was excellent I like, i'm a big hazy guy so okay. uh you know that that was certainly i give that a uh, four and a half out of five now there i'm not just saying that because bob looks like he could beat me up <laughs> uh i actually legitimately liked it and then somebody dropped off a taco cat i never had this one before that's an all mosaic uh, pale ale it's really good we 5%. actually we actually brewed that right as the pandemic hit and that Mike and I were out on a truck hand delivering that to, oh, yeah. to distributors. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a pretty cool experience. Yeah. It was a thank you to everyone that has supported us over the years. Uh, it's really good. I like you. it. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. So if people want to learn a little bit more about, about you guys, where do they go besides your restaurants, including your restaurants? Social media. Right? Yeah. 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 I mean, you can check out um, the website to spbrewing.com. You can check out our social media on Instagram, Facebook, and come uh, to the brewery too. Yeah, I mean, definitely. it's in Aston. It's a taste room. We got twenty taps, food trucks on the weekend, but we're all there hanging out, and we're very approachable. Despite you know how some of us may look, but no. <laughs> uh, yeah, if anybody enjoyed yeah. this on a Friday afternoon, except for me, and I'll go up. <laughs> yeah. They're all, they're sitting in a corner taste room drinking and talking. I can't wait to hear the story about this. I'm going to go tomorrow <laughs> just to hear them just talk hear about yeah. today. <laughs> Well, I love it. Thank you guys so much for your time. Um, if you if you guys want to connect with me on the Untapped app where you can see me rate beers, my username is brcarney7. To learn more about how our firm helps business owners with their financial planning, visit riversedgeadvisors.com to hear past episodes of the podcast. Go to happy-half-hour.com. I would be remiss if I didn't thank Brooke Coleman who set this whole thing up. Brooke, thank you so much. Wonderful job. And uh, thank you all to, uh, to everyone that came out to, to watch this. And now we drink. All right, cheers. Thank you. Nice. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Cheers. There you go, Bob. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. It is. I would love you could, that. You I could cut that it. off, you know. <laughs> you could cut it all off. Who? Right. Camera's right here. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. This is great. Good. Yeah, more. Couple more. more. Everybody smile. <laughs>